Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Podcast, where laughter is a main course and humor is always on the menu. So let's get started, and here's your daily dose of funny. Next. Hey, how's it going? Passport. Oh, you're Irish? Yeah. I'm Irish myself. All right. My great-grandfather's dog, Sparky O'Hulahan, came over on a boat 200 years ago. Oh. Yeah. It says you're a comedian. Yeah, sometimes. You're not going to make jokes about America, are you? No, that'd be crazy. Yeah, not my country. Well, welcome to America, my Irish brother. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I am indeed from Dublin, Ireland, but I, I live in America now, so I identify as Latino. <laughs> I had to start doing that to get through your automated customer service lines. Because the other options are no good, are they? Like, the minute you call up, they're like, thank you for calling. For English, press one. I was like, I don't want to be English. people have been avoiding that option for about 800 years now uh, what else have you got you just keep listening it gets immediately better because they'll be like para espanol marcados i said i'm in here and now these are my new people and yeah that, that's that's the beauty of this identify as whatever you feel like culture that we that we have at the moment no one can even get mad about that but I didn't want to shock my parents too much because they don't know they raised a Latino. <laughs> yeah, so it is at least logical. Irish people, Latinos, already emotionally connected. We both like drinking, dancing, fighting, mostly work in construction. <laughs> we are primarily Catholic. We love soccer, speak a whole other language, and have problems with immigration. We... We're already one people. But it makes my life a bit confusing now because I'm Irish, I'm sarcastically Latino, and I live in America, so I have white privilege. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I never had that in Ireland. So, I'm quietly confident I caught it here. I know, and that's kind of ironic if you know your history, because you remember the Irish people when we first got here, we didn't get the most privileged treatment. But that can get forgotten if you're treating history like a Netflix series. And you just join in season six, you'd be like, well, it's going great for the Irish, isn't it? Look at them over there with their shamrock shakes and their parades. They used to be filth, now they have their own spring soap. It's a real rags to riches story. It can get easily forgotten that when we first came here, there were signs that said, no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. I don't know what you did if you were a black Irish dog walker. You, you were not coming in. You actually had no immigration laws in America until one group of people turned up, Irish people, and you're like, well, we gotta do something about these lunatics. And that's how all your laws got written into being law. And we love seeing laws and finding a creative workaround. That's kind of what it means to be Irish partially as well. Like, that's nice, doesn't apply to us. We'll find a creative and potentially fun way to get around those laws. And we did, we just started shagging all of you. All of you. Um, yeah, that, that's why many of you are here tonight. We... You, yeah, yeah. We did it indiscriminately. Everybody got it. Black, white, pink, Cuban, Asian, Israeli, Palestinian, even English people. We, oh, we would have shagged a queen if we got to her in time. Oh yeah, and with that strategy, we penetrated the very fabric of American society. We got to the point that 23 US presidents claim Irish heritage, and we're so lovely when Obama said, I'm Irish, we all went, yeah, feck it, why not, go on. Like, nobody asked to see his birth certificate, you know. Yeah, who would do that? That would be crazy. We had a picture of him drinking a pint of Guinness, and we were like, well, that's good enough for us, Barack, you're in. You know, a lot of people were saying, Hussein, we read Obama. Clearly. Send a name, isn't it? Clearly Irish. We're delighted about the addition of such a cool character. That's how we are. We're a very welcoming country. We are, and we so welcoming, we don't even have a Chinatown. Yeah, we just let them live with us. That's a deep statement. Take your time with it. If this woke society that we have that's a little bit fake at the moment has rubbed off on you, you'll be triggered right now. That will... You'll be like, oh my God, I'm offended right now. I can't put my finger on exactly why, but I will think about it tomorrow while I'm having a sensible vegan brunch option and I'll, I'll walk it off. I'll cover my body in Lululemon merchandise and I'll grab my three-legged rescue dog, Murphy, and I'll just be dragging him along while carrying a four-liter indestructible canister of water to stay fully hydrated while I'm listening to Terry Gross on NPR to keep up with issues of diversity, and I will figure out why I'm offended. I will. I am glad you were here staring at me because we emotionally connected on that one. 
sometimes people just knew and she's like, oh, well, that one's clearly a reference to what he's interpreting as a fragmented and subdivided society in America that likes to call itself a melting pot, but is realistically more of a charcuterie board. Uh, Like it has, it has all these wonderful exotic flavors and then you keep making it worse by adding too many crackers. You said it. It's a great contrast to Ireland when you think about it because we don't have, as you rightly nailed on the head there, uh, don't have a Japantown, Koreatown, Little Italy, Latin Quarter, Little Bangladesh, Little Armenia, or Chinatown, because we're equally shagging our way into everybody's family tree. And that's just brought to you by 23 and me, because we are always in your results. We're always in there. If there's no Irish in there, that's a false negative. Just do it again. You know, treat it like an antigen test and just keep doing it until you get the result you're expecting. Oh, there it is. And no matter where you think you're from, you could be sitting there and you're like, I'm definitely black. And we'd be like, are you? Are you really? 38% of all African-Americans have Irish heritage. And that list is fantastic and includes Colin Powell, Alicia Keys, Beyonce, and Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know how you missed that one. That's a huge example right there. It's in the name and everything. Irish and African cultures were so intertwined when we both came to America that we shagged it out so frequently. Together, we invented tap dancing. Yeah, invented horizontally, done vertically. And that was just true the blending of those cultures. And that, that went on to become jazz music. You know, it's fantastic. Irish and, and black culture are always a bit connected. It goes all the way back to 1845, if not before, when Frederick Douglass escaped slavery, became a famous anti-abolitionist, and said, I'm going to go around the world and tell them all to be anti-slavery. I'm going to Ireland for four days. Got there, and he went, oh, they're fine. They already know. <laughs> yeah, he said, Ireland woke as feck. <laughs> now, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't really say that. I sarcastically inserted the word woke into his mouth because... I mean, that's become a bit of a fuzzy word these days. We don't even know what it means. Some people like it, they don't. I think it boils down to being nice. And Irish people, we've been knocking that out of the park for a while. And Frederick Douglass, what actually he did say was, this is the first time in my life I've been treated as a man and not as a colour. And he stayed for four whole months. So look at that. Irish people just way ahead of the curve on that one. It's just... We're pretty good. Just a bit of black history for you, because we love it. You have Black History Month here in February. Uh, we have it in October, so already there are 10% extra black history in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> you went short, we went long. That's what I'm saying. Uh, at any moment, this show could descend into trivia. Uh, uh, it's just because I like trivia, but I never know how to feel about it in America, because I watch your news, and you have two different versions of the truth. So, uh, which trivia am I meant to believe? To find out what's going on in this country, I have to watch the Irish news. Because <laughs> I love a good bit of trivia. Like, Irish people famously friendly, yet slightly sneaky. Yeah, we invented or were central to the invention of the tank, the guided missile, and the submarine. Yet the most damage we ever did in America is to sending you our priests. See, that really touched some of you. 
that's the power of good trivia, you know. We are connected to every culture. Many Latinos here tonight? I see a few. Oh, ooh, I am surrounded. Vamos a hacer el show en español. Sería mil veces mejor. Sí, y dejar los gringos por afuera. See, I really committed to learning that language. I, I, I love it. I said, well, I'm in the second largest Spanish-speaking country in the world, and I wanted to commit to that language because I didn't want to get caught out by some Karen in Whole Foods one day. You know, they'll get you. She'll be like, oh my God, I saw your little skits online where you identify as a minority group that you are clearly not part of. And I'd be like, Karen, he went, puta que larga se hasta ya. Oh, that would be very enjoyable, wouldn't it? You just, you just see her scurrying off to the Tesla just to avoid a racial hate storm. And there's just nothing but a trail of confusion and goji berries behind her. And Irish people first came to America and we were like, hello, help us starving refugees. America was like, all right, but you've got to fight in our war against Mexico. We're like, well, that, that doesn't sound like a great plan. Uh, have you got any other programs for the refugees? <laughs> Because America always has a program for something. But no, they didn't. And we ended up fighting against Mexicans. And we were down there. And we're like, geez, we like these people. I don't know why we're fighting against them at all. We have a lot in common. They're great fun. And then we saw the deal breaker, Latinas. We're like, we're changing sides. Yeah. We saw, we were conquered, and we came. We, we genuinely changed sides. We became the first country in European history to fight on behalf of Mexico. And that is the longest yet most historically accurate way to say we also shagged our way into Mexico. <laughs> if you know your history, that group, they're called the San Patricios. There's a lot of cool things named after them to honor that connection between the two places. There's a guy called William Langford from Wexford. Most people know him as Zorro. Uh, you didn't know that Zorro was a sneaky Irish dude. The legend of Zorro based on a mildly illegal masked immigrant riding around doing nice things ahead of his time. And he was a skilled swordsman with a blatant disrespect for authority. Definitely Irish. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And we, we left a bit more modern evidence. Uh, you just go on Google Images and you type boxing and then you add the word Canelo. <laughs> and just have a look what comes back at you because... You're going to see a world and Mexican boxing champion that's suspiciously red-haired. <laughs> Pasty white skin, covered in freckles, and his real name is Barrigan, an Irish name. So if, so if someone could get that man a 23 and me result, we can claim another true champion. We are, we are connected to those cultures. Do you know where they differ a little bit from Latin people to an Irish people? Latin people are not as sneaky as Irish people. Like, you don't even know. In Spanish, do you know the word for sneaky? Where are me Latinos at? Picaro. Picaro. They're not agreeing with that over here. I heard an audible no over here. No, oh, suspicious. Not really. It doesn't translate. Isn't this amazing? That's the diversity we have in Chicago these days where an Irish person is confusing Latinos with their own language. <laughs> But it's a bit of a sneaky trivia one because there's loads of slang words, but there's no direct translation from English-Spanish to the word sneaky. And it, yeah, it's fantastically ironic because if you're a Mexican, you're kind of known for sneaking over the border. <laughs> and there's no word for the thing that you're doing. 
I mean, are you just walking over an arbitrary line in the ground to, you know, visit your family or pick a few strawberries or maybe celebrate Cinco de Mayo, a festival created for you? And Americans are like, hey man, you snuck in there. You're like, listen, that's the past tense and a regular verb that I don't have. I'm just, I'm just gonna keep walking until someone buys me a flight to Marta's Vineyard. sneaky <laughs> well I'm just delighted to be here America one of the most positive places in the world you could ever be based anywhere and it just the opportunity just to talk to people like do this is, is fantastic because we were without it for a while and I always didn't get to do it when I actually first moved to America the job I had I came on a diplomatic visa and one of the first tasks they gave me was organizing the Irish president's visit to Seattle and Vancouver which was a huge mistake by someone in a position of authority um, <laughs> They just overlooked all the red flags you're seeing here this evening. And there was a guest list to do, and they're like, who's doing the guest list? And I, they're like, you are. And I was like, unsupervised. I invited everyone I ever met. I was, in, and I was in Seattle, and my uncle lived there. He'd moved from Ireland years ago, and I forgot. He's so big. He's six foot five that he grew up. He, when he was 17 years old, he drove a Mini Cooper from the back. And he just removed the front seats for extra leg room. So he's pretty sizable, you're not gonna miss him. And he got so emotional during the president's speech. And my boss had told me, only C-suite level executives are above. And he worked in the logging industry, and I went, well, close enough. <laughs> got it, I can't miss out on this one. And he got so emotional during the speech, he decided to rush to stage that he wanted to hug the president. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever watched your career change live. Was him moving towards him, oh no. And the Secret Service were there, but they were on low alert because Irish people, we never did it. <laughs> and it's a fairly unique group of white people in history where you're like, well, what did they do? And we're like, nothing, we're good actually. <laughs> and you might correctly say, well, didn't you boys blow up some British people? And we'll be like, yeah, but historically, who hasn't wanted to do that? You can't, you can't even invite those fellas to a tea party, can you? But no, we did make one bit of a faux pas. When Hitler died, only one country sent condolences. Yeah, Ireland. Yeah, how bad does the prospect of continued British rule have to be? That we're like, well, we better hedge our bets on this one. You know, somebody send him some flowers and tell him we loved his painting. Get him over there. But normally we, we haven't done it, whatever it is. And that applied here because they were on low alert. My uncle is moving rapidly towards the podium, completely unobstructed. He gets there, grabs the president in a kind of a bear hug and he's so big, she just disappears into his body. My boss elbows me in the ribs and is like, David, who the feck is that? I said, I have no idea. And at that moment he kind of leaned forward and was like, David, get the camera, get a picture. Yeah, and that's why I do comedy now. It's. I never planned on it, it just America. I blame America, it's just too supportive with stuff. You can have the worst plan over here and Americans like, you should try that. That could be, that could be a great journey for you. I'd love to see that. And 
know, you, you do get the feeling when you move to America that anything's possible. And I got talking to this girl, drunk as a monkey, on St. Patrick's Day, and she was kind of waddling towards me in a green shirt, and it was made by Bed Bath & Beyond, of all places. So pretty classy stuff we're talking here. And it was a bit controversial. They genuinely were making these, because it said on it, everybody loves a drunken Irish slut. That is not true. Not even Irishmen love drunken Irish slut. That's why we're here. For, for your drunken American ladies. And if we get lucky, maybe we'll end up in your bed, bath and beyond. But this one, drunk as a monkey, and it was that classic American conversation starter that scares foreigners, like, what do you do? What's your job? What do you do? I'm like, all right, take it easy, drunken lady. And I didn't really want to tell her, so I was like, you know the Antarctic where it's cold and there's ice and snow everywhere? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, and uh, because it's ice and snow everywhere, uh, it can be slippery. And they have penguins walking around, loads of penguins. And I was like, sometimes because it's slippery, the little penguins, well, they fall over. I stand them back up again. <laughs> I didn't think she was going to believe that one. I, I got to tell you, it was a magical moment when she called her friend. She's like, oh my God, Megan, you're not going to believe the Irish guy. He's a penguin stander-upper. I was like, wow, anything is possible in this country. But everything is accumulation of factors. I had a, a, a time after that, a, a friend of mine tragically suffered a, a, a spinal cord injury. And all his American friends were rallying around to do fundraisers for him to get him back on his feet. And they kind of rubbed off me. And I was like, oh, I want to get involved here. Uh, what can I do? And they're like, oh, could you host an event for us? You love talking. You're always talking. I'm like, no, no. This was long before I ever comedy. I was like, I'm afraid of public speaking, actually. Most Irish people hate it. I'm no different. I hate public speaking. For me, it's actually a crippling fear. And he said, I'm in a wheelchair, you dildo. I was like, you're, you're right there. You have a fair point. Uh, uh, it's not a crippling fear. I'm going to have to try and get over this. That is a terrible phrase. And so I started trying to do it, and I started doing comedy. We ended up doing a fundraiser. We kept it going for years, and I ended up going down a bit of a rabbit hole of trying to raise money for people with spinal cord injuries because of our friend that was affected by it. And I was trying to be all business cool, you know, from what I learned with the government sending emails. You write kind regards all the time, don't you? Like some days you're being lazy and you're like, I don't need to be kind today. Just regards kind of a day. And unfortunately, I'm dyslexic. And every time I wrote the word regards, I put a T instead of a G. Some of you way better at spelling than I am. And I was not writing regards anymore. It was re all right, but it was not regards. And sometimes I just dropped kind and went re, not guards. Two people with spinal cord injuries for two whole years. Nobody brought this to my attention in a two-year period. And now we live in a society where they're like, that word's not acceptable anymore. And I'm like, I fully agree. The only problem is I have documented evidence that I use this word. I wanted just a hole to open in the ground and just disappear into it. And I was like, I'm never making a mistake like this again. Because when you're dyslexic, you make a lot of them. And I was like, I, I can't make one again. And a friend of mine sent me a message. He said, I, I know you're thinking about moving to Los Angeles. Do you want to try out apartment here for a month totally for free? Blah, blah, blah. Something about a cat. And 
Yeah, I mean, I'd lived in America long enough to know that free is my price point. Uh, I, I didn't need to read anymore, and that was a bit of an error of judgment because my companion in this apartment was Doug the Psychopathic Cat. And, Doug had some interesting hobbies. His main one was pouncing from the darkness and stabbing me. Oh, oh he loved a bit of stabbing. Any exposed piece of skin was fair game. He was just drawn to exposed skin. And I even give him a bit of neck and he just out of the corner. What the hell's this cat hanging there? Like Alex Hannon just hanging off a cliff face. Free solo and off my earlobes. I was like, this can't get any worse. And then it did, because I got COVID about four weeks before it was fashionable. Yeah, and because your US medical system is so crap, I had no idea what was going on with me. And I've lived in America long enough that I know you guys are great at turning a negative into a positive. So I always try and put the positive on something. And it is with the medical system, it's equally one of the only countries in the whole world that you can just go online and diagnose yourself and prescribe yourself medical marijuana for fairly questionable medical reasons. And, and you can get that delivered to you by a socially awkward person on or in an electrical vehicle. And then you just add chunky monkey ice cream and you're like, whoo, I am better already. I don't, I don't even know, remember what was wrong with me in the first place. And, that was the treatment I was doing with myself. And I was there locked with this cat. And unfortunately, the bathroom was separated from the bedroom by a hallway. So to get to the toilet, I had to run the gauntlet of Doug the Psychopath. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Now, obviously, diarrhea, it's disgusting. Who wants to talk about bodily functions ever? But it was a bit of a part of COVID. Now, and you'll know if you really need to go and you haven't got control, the preparation for going does not happen when you get to the actual bathroom. The minute you hear something funky, you're running and you're already dropping the pants. I was out of the door and I was in preparation mode and that was a huge error of judgment. Oh. I was like, how can I make diarrhea and COVID worse? I'm just going to add a short-haired tabby hanging off my private parts like a furry kettlebell dragging along behind me. I didn't think it could get any worse. And the, the only respite I got from Doug was to barricade myself in the bedroom into what I thought was safety. But I forgot the little nut job used to love eyeing up the little quarter inch gap under the door. And I grew up with cats. I never had a cat do this. He'd just lie on his back and he'd just slide in under it like a mechanic going underneath a car. And he'd extend his little psychopath paws in under the door and just start playing an imaginary air piano. Just all night long doing his best Stevie Wonder impression from the darkness. I didn't see this cat's eyes closed for 14 days. I didn't even know quarantine was a thing, but that was my quarantine. I finally escaped from that into the month of March, and that was the first March in history that Corona trumped Guinness. <laughs> uh, Irish people did not see that one coming along with a lot of the rest of the world. But now I had a bit more time on my hands than was expected because I couldn't hang around with you lovely people. So I said, you know what? I've been hearing about Game of Thrones for ages and I have all this medical marijuana for non-medical reasons. I'm just going to combine the few of these and just see how it goes for a while. And I was so stoned watching Game of Thrones that I started making correlations that clearly are not reality. I decided Jon Snow, the main character, was the history of the Irish in America. As I don't know how I'm the only one seeing this, but every episode he's talking about the weather. Every episode. 
Winter is always coming for John over there. At the start, everybody thought he was a bastard, didn't they? And then they didn't like him at all, and they forced him to defend a wall that he had nothing to do with building and fight against people that he had no beef with whatsoever. Sound familiar, Latinos? And they'd point out groups to him and say, John, they're the wildlings over there. We don't like that group of people. And he'd be like, oh, I kind of like him. I specifically like that red-haired one over there. He had shagged her within a couple of episodes in a cave. And in doing so, united those groups of previously fighting people. And it does from shagging. And then off he went south. And they said, John, we don't like that group here either. They're the Targaryens. And he said, well, same thing again for me. I kind of like one of them. There's a good looking one over there. And they're like, John, she's so feisty. She has a fire breeding dragon that's pretty Latina when you think about it. And then he shagged her, didn't he? And he united those tribes. And then they dug up more information. They said, John, we're starting to like you. We did some research. One little thing. Uh, we, you're not a bastard anymore. We know who your family is. You're currently shagging your auntie. Uh, yeah, you might want to stop that. And he's like, no, I've got to unite the tribes. I'll keep going. And he did. And he brought them all together. And now they're all together. They love him so much that they decided we got to make John the king. And in the end, they gave him back the one thing he always wanted the most, the North, which is pretty representative of the Irish issue when you think about it. You, you might be rightly asking how long did he waste of his life to come up with that one, and that was 70 hours and 14 minutes. Oh, man. And then, then I, when I ran out of TV, I ended up like a lot of the world. You do a bit of scrolling on TikTok. It just came out, and you're like, oh, what can I find here? And I was delighted I did, because I found this beautiful 21-year-old black girl from Virginia called Morgan Bullock, and she was doing Irish dancing to Megan Thee Stallion music. The greatest thing I've ever seen. That's our national dance, but with natural rhythm. We've been missing that for a while, and somehow we got famous. Despite the obvious handicaps for natural rhythm for dancing, we commercialized it. We created a show called Riverdance, sold out to 25 million people around the world, despite only moving from the waist down in an in-and-out gyrating, shagging motion. And then you're shocked when we end up in your 23 and me results. I thought this dancing is fantastic. Let me enter the chat and just have a look and read the comments. It must be very nice. And all of a sudden it wasn't. It, and they all said the same thing. Oh my God, that's cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah, some Becky in Berkeley, California who couldn't get an acai bowl for breakfast that morning and was angry at the internet about who knows what on behalf of a country that she wasn't from. It was all, and there was a lot of them. All the comments came from one particular country. You might know it because we're here now. None of them were from Ireland because we know that you cannot appropriate Irish culture. You can appropriate other cultures, but not Irish culture. It's impossible. 35 million Americans claim Irish heritage. Between 50 and 80 million people around the world identify as Irish. That means we're the largest per capita diaspora in the whole world, and we only have 5 million people in Ireland. You Americans, you love joking about an Irish goodbye and an Irish exit. Clearly, we're not pulling out. We are... We are in there till the end. There was all these negative comments all of a sudden, all from the same thing. Now, luckily, enter the chat the half-Indian gay leader of Ireland. 
because while you're talking about diversity, we've been living the brand. And, <laughs> you know, stereotypes are a bit of a thing sometimes. So when, when I say over here, we had half Indian gay leader of Ireland, they'd be like, oh my God, you had an affluent Indian man in charge of your country. I bet he was a doctor. Those people are always doctors. I'm like, uh, yeah, he was a doctor. And his dad was a doctor. And it was a pretty good time to double down on doctors during a global pandemic. In contrast to your rather interesting leadership choices. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to cite probability, but one of those leaders, way less likely to grab you by the pussy, you know? I'm pretty sure that was our half Indian gay dude. They'd be like, go on, grab her by it. No, 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 good, you're in charge now. That's... Because if you want to shut up a bunch of predominantly white people getting angry about cultural appropriation, which we know can't be done against Ireland, and you want to silence them, there's nothing more effective than a brown-faced gay dude who's the leader of a predominantly white country in the past to enter the chat and say, shut the feck up. <laughs> That's... I'm paraphrasing there. He, he wanted to keep his job, so he said it in a nicer way. He said, Morgan, well done. We love your dancing so much so you should come over for St. Patrick's Day to Ireland and dance. And she said, yes. And this young girl flew over to Ireland and they did a radio interview with her and unknown to anyone, they had a surprise caller during that interview. And the guy called in, he said, hey, Morgan, head of Riverdance here. We'd love you to be the first black dancer in the 25 year history of Riverdance. What do you say? And she said, yes. The best part of that story by a mile is that her first ever show in America as a black Irish river dancer was in Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> Just right there under the banner of heaven. We had a young black American lady helping us shag our way into the very fabric of Mormon society and God, that is cultural appreciation, isn't it? Which is a much better term. It's a good one. She's a really cool story, though, and if you get a chance to see her doing Riverdance, she's on tour at the moment, go see it. But I, now I was at a stage where I was like, you know, I was wasting my life, basically. I watched Game of Thrones, now I'm TikTok scrolling away. I survived Doug the Cat. But I'm not doing anything productive. And a friend of mine's like, would you not take some of your little comedy videos and throw them on the internet? Sure, no one's going to see them anyway. Yeah, that worked out a bit better than I thought, to be honest. Because uh, my negative Irish self, and that is our natural demeanor, I was like, this is not going to, what a waste of time. I hate social media. To be honest, I never had any public social media, really, with any effort until two and a half years ago. And it took Americans to show me the positive of something I always thought was negative. And I was very glad you did because I got into a bit of trouble a few months after. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I started doing it and I said something in Pittsburgh, but I don't believe to be controversial at all. I said, and you might have heard me saying it, Irish people have no white guilt. No. And it's due to a revolutionary strategy we had where we had potatoes in the ground and we all went, feck it, let's pick them ourselves. Well, <laughs> over here. You, over here. Yeah, I'm not explaining that joke again, okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you don't get that joke, you are the problem. I was in the hotel that night after the show and I was heavily medicated for non-medical reasons and I was eating ice cream in bed. I had a pot of chunky monkey and I, I had no challenges in the world at that moment outside of hand-eye coordination because oh, I was so stoned I couldn't get the spoon to my mouth anymore and I, I could find the little lumps of fudge but I was basically flicking them over my shoulder and chunk by chunk I was turning the hotel room into a crime scene and I just... I was basically snorting fudge at one moment because I just gave up on the spoon and I was like, I'm going in here like a horse into a feed bag of ice cream. And I don't know if you've ever been that messed up late at night and taught to yourself, you know what, this is a fantastic time for me to check my work email. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm in tip-top condition right now. Let me just get a jump start on the working week right now. Oh, I was just lying stoned out on my face with the little light, you know, on your face in the darkness with my fudge-covered fingers scrolling away. And I was lucky I did because this message I saw kind of shocked me into a bit of sobriety. And it said, you might be in a bit of trouble. Somebody badly misinterpreted something you said tonight. Click this link. And it was a link to a TikTok video. And I clicked it, and the cover of the video said, racist Irish comedian jokes about cotton picking. I said, well, that's definitely me. Yeah, I looked at the view count. There was 100,000 views on this video. It had only been up a couple of hours, and it was over 400 comments, and they all were saying the same thing. Who is the racist? Where's the racist? Where can we find him? I was so stoned, I entered the chat. I, I said, I know where he is. He's, he's, in, he's in a hotel room right now, covered in ice cream. He had no idea he was a racist. This is a huge moment in his life right now. It's a big discovery. And to make things worse, he's right now covered in an involuntary ice cream brown face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just sitting there like a Canadian prime minister. It was a PR disaster waiting to happen. And, and I, in a moment of clarity, I was like, well, geez, what am I going to do? I nearly laid an egg. I'd never been that nervous in my life. And, 
I was like, ooh, I have a little video from tonight, actually. I can post what I actually said, and feck it, I'm going to sleep, and when I wake up tomorrow, it'll be interesting, at least. Uh, and I know, that doesn't sound like a good strategy, and it wasn't, but... I got a bit lucky. I didn't know with social media, because I'm such an idiot with it, that when strangers write to you as a stranger, they don't expect you to write back. Yeah, they'd be writing to me, hello, David's team. And I'm like, team, this fella can't even work a spoon. There is no team. I am the I in this team. Like, there's no way it's you writing back. I'm like, no, those regards are all for you. I just... Yeah, I just can't spell. I didn't mean it, but that's a mark of authenticity. And you just give them a love heart to try and make up for it. And, I'm like, and I, so I didn't know you're not meant to write back. I've been writing back to everyone. I've been treating strangers like pen pals for about two and a half years. So if you're like, well, you should come to Chicago and do a show. And I'm like, yeah, well, and here I am. That's kind of how that works. And Hey, hey thanks. Well, thank you very much. I didn't know there was any other way, but I guess because it was during lockdown and everything when it started, I guess it built up a little bit of goodwill. And when I was so heavily medicated that I couldn't use words to defend myself, which is the one thing I'm meant to be okay at, given my current occupation, all these people started arguing on my behalf. When I woke up in the morning, they'd won. Yeah. This lady had fully retracted her statement, deleted the video, and made a public apology. And I was like, wow, that's the world we really should live in. That I could go to bed totally racist and wake up totally cured. <laughs> like it never happened. So if you're one of those people that kicked into action on my behalf, thank you very much. I really needed you. That's the core part of looking at everything positive, I suppose, true. Because um, Americans, you are genuinely some of the happiest people in the world. You, you really are, and you should be, because you're taking two-thirds of the world's antidepressants. And <laughs> yeah, you're just going around with the Adderall fuel spirit of Ted Lasso, running through your veins. And... Yeah, it really brings out your inner Trader Joe's worker. And... We're not like that in Ireland. Ironically, my last name is Nihil, and that's my real name, as in nihilism, which, among many other things, means extreme pessimism. And I got that name from my dad, and it's ironic, because he's the most positive person I think I've ever met. Nothing gets him down. And a few years back, he got diagnosed with cancer. And on receipt of the diagnosis from the doctor, he looked so upbeat that the doctor was taken back. And he's like, Mr. Nihil, I don't think you realize the severity of the problem you have. And my dad said, I don't have a problem. I just gave it to you. good strategy when you know he didn't worry about it at all and a few years later no more cancer anymore it never came back to this day i don't think he ever worried about it for a minute that was great thank you but, uh, he, he got a thing a wee bit later that many of our families are affected by sometimes and some of yours might be here tonight macular degenerate disease where your eyesight begins to rapidly deteriorate he didn't let it stop him at all he's like david i'm off to renew me driver's license I don't know if that's a great plan. And one thing played to his advantage that always happens us as Irish people when we move to America. You get a really warm reception here, which is fantastic. And Americans normally take a minute or two, but you always know it's coming, where they're like, oh my God, you're Irish? Do you, do you know my friend Brian Murphy? He's also Irish. And we're like, oh, I cannot wait to not know Brian Murphy. 
happened with me with a Dave, a guy called Dave Ryan in San Francisco. My friends were like, oh my God, you're, you're from Dublin? My buddy Dave Ryan's from Dublin. You guys are going to know each other for sure. And I'm like, dude, it's 1.5 million people in Dublin. It's statistically improbable. Then I met him. I was like, oh, feck Dave. I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> to make it even more stereotypical, we worked in the same bar together in Ireland. And his cousins live next to my auntie and uncle in a rural field in the middle of nowhere. There's like 20 houses and they just happen to live next door to each other. And it kind of played to my dad's advantage a bit, the small world nature of Ireland, because when he went to renew the driver's license, he walked in and he was all nervous and straight away the guy's like, oh, Pat Nihil, haven't seen you in years. And I was always like, what are you here for? Oh, to renew it. And, and how's your eyesight? My dad said, it's not great to be honest. And your man went, well, I tell you, Pat, would you see a bus if it drove past you? Yeah, my dad went, oh, feck yeah, definitely. And he went, good man, Pat, three more years, go on. <laughs> on your way. I don't know where he drove to, but he drove somewhere. <laughs> a week later, God love him, he entered a golf competition. He loves golf, and he entered a golf competition against people who could actually see their balls. <laughs> yeah. And at one moment, he pulled back the club, and he went to hit the ball with all his force, and it exploded because it was a mushroom. <laughs> he wasn't deterred by this whatsoever. He actually came second in that competition. It was his highest finish in 15 years. And he was so excited about the whole confusing mushroom incident that he grabbed his 82-year-old giggling friend and went back the next day to recreate the moment on video. So he literally just voluntarily blew up a mushroom all over his own nut bag and his friend videoed it and they did giggle like teenagers and then emailed it to me and went, David, will this go viral on TikTok or what? Legend. He loved golf, but I, I went, you know, golf is obviously hugely popular in Ireland. I got forced into some of the more extreme sports when I start traveling around the world, especially here in America. They love just doing unnecessary outdoor crazy stuff. And I said, well, I'll try that. I started off with wakeboarding. Have you ever done that? It's where they drag you behind the back of a boat like a modern-day Red Bull-sponsored extreme Jesus. And they waste as much gasoline as humanly possible. And, and it, it would have been fun, I suspect, but I didn't really get to fully live it at the time initially because you, you're just meant to pop up out of the water and slide across the top of the water. That's it. I didn't pop up at all. I just got dragged underwater like a leaky human submarine. Dragging me around in figures of eight underwater with just water going in one hole and out the other. Yeah, it was like a high speed clonic irrigation. I tell you, wakeboarding, one thing to know if you don't stand up, it quickly becomes waterboarding. Yeah, Americans are great at that as well. Just yeah. not your fault. The Spanish invented it, you perfected it, we never did it. That's just a trivia cycle to that one but I, I was so bad at wakeboarding that I jumped off the back of the boat at one moment looked at my knee and part of it was missing and there was all blood in the water and it was around the time of that flesh-eating bacteria do you remember that was a thing in America and around the world before we moved on to COVID and forgot that flesh-eating bacteria was a thing yeah and they, they thought I might lose my knee and I ended up in hospital and my leg grew swollen so big it just kept bigger and bigger and they start pumping you full of vancomycin and if you know anything about your drugs in America, you'll know vancomycin, the drug of last resort. When they give you this, the medical system's basically saying, eh, we don't know. 
Yeah, it's a bit like the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Uh, it's like, go on, take this, keep us posted. Uh, maybe mix it with something down the road. And I say that as someone who took the Johnson and Johnson vaccine uh, in Miami in Spanish, because we're pretty sneaky. And that was the only way I could get it at that time. But I, I ended up, I was pretty compromised in hospital and they wouldn't let me out unless I had full-time medical care, which when you combine comedy and your insurance system, well, that was not gonna work out well. <laughs> My mother had been a nurse her whole life and I couldn't think of anyone better to ask to look after me. The only problem was she hadn't traveled in like 20 years. So I had to call her from San Francisco back to Ireland. And I was like, ma'am, I really need you. Any chance you'd come over? She's like, absolutely, David, I'll be over. Now, I don't know anything about flights or the internet or any of that carry on. I haven't really been anywhere in about 20 years. I'm like, feck it, I'll get back to you. I'll figure it out. Don't you worry about a thing. Yeah, didn't hear from her until the next day. She's like, David, I went to the bank. I met a beautiful Brazilian girl down there. She knew about the internet. Have the tickets. I'll be over tomorrow now. Thank God for the immigrants, huh? Yeah. I don't know if you know, nice little bit of trivia that Brazilian Portuguese is actually the fourth most spoken language in Ireland at the moment, rapidly moving towards third most spoken language. And it's because of a very reflective immigration policy we had where we looked at ourselves in the mirror and we went, well, Jesus, we get sunburned pretty easily, don't we? And we have no natural rhythm. And, you know, we're not exactly sexual icons. And we haven't qualified for the World Cup of football in years. Uh, Brazilians, yes, yes, Brazilians. How many is too many? Never. Keep it going. We've got loads of room. We used to have 8 million people in Ireland. We only have about 5 point something million now. So that's room for a lot of Brazilians if you need them. And I'm totally fine with that. But I was very grateful of it. Me man basically arrived the next day. And it was funny because Irish people have a... We take so long to get used to the rules in America. Like when we move here as foreigners, you have to adjust to Americans' love of the rules. You love the rules. We have them in all our countries, but they're guidelines. <laughs> you know, you apply logic and you go your own way. And you can really see love of the rules if you participate or watch any American sport. You love it. The commentary is 90% about the rules, and the rest of the time is just whatever the athletes tend to be doing. I was watching the World Cup, and they're like, here, what have we got going on here, Ryan? Well, there was a foul in the box. It's going to be a PK. And what's a PK? For the viewers at home, a PK is a violation inside the box. And for the rest of us in the world, PK is a Spanish player who used to shag Shakira, and then he strayed outside the box, and that was a huge violation. And confusing. But I, I didn't know any of these rules until Americans dragged me mountain biking. And it will happen to you. If you live in one of your predominantly white areas in America, four guys called Chad, Chip, Ryan, Carl, it's normally a kind of four-letter fraternity name, will turn up outside your house at about 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning while you're trying to be hungover, masturbate, procreate, anything more productive than the, what they want you to do. They've got bicycles that are worth more than your car and potentially house. And you can't just join them. You have to first eat goo packets and cliff bars to sustain a false sense of sugar-fueled enthusiasm to commute unnecessarily to a place you don't need to be to do a thing you don't need to do, all while dressed as a ballerina. Very confusing. Very confusing. I didn't know it was called single track mountain biking and it's where there's only room for one mountain bike and I didn't know that Americans decided the person coming up the hill has the right of way. I didn't know that. I was coming down the hill. 
at speed, I was having a great time. I was like a dog hanging out of a car window. I was really enjoying it, to be honest. And I was quietly confident the rules were on my side because I was using gravity. Yeah, technically a law for the Isaac Newton fans in the room. And the guy coming towards me, he thought the rules were going to save him. And that's a classic American mistake right there. Oh, you guys make it all the time. You take some dude called Billy Ray in Alabama and you'll be like, hey, but that's Billy Ray. He, uh, he left high school at 11 years old. Never actually read a book in his life, Billy Ray. Look at him there. He's got his dungarees on backwards. He's been surviving on nothing but Coors Light and corn syrup. Billy Ray, would you like a firearm? Huh? <laughs> It'll be fine. He's going to follow the rules, aren't you, Billy Ray? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're like, that's not going to work out for anybody. That's what's playing out here, but it's just in mountain biking terms because it's classic power versus authority. The only problem is authority only goes one way, downhill. Now, you can't use authority on your boss. It only goes one way. I'm coming down the hill. I have all the power. I am an idiot and a liability, but I have all the power simply because I have an out-of-control lump of steel supposedly under my control. And that is pretty representative of American society right there sometimes. And, You can see it coming. There's no happy ending in that moment. And there wasn't. I, and I knew this guy was American coming towards me because he looked way too happy. Oh. oh, he was just an explosion of enthusiasm. It was like somebody combined four-hour energy, Red Bull and Viagra, and gave it to a life coach on their birthday. I couldn't tell you exactly what was going on in his mind, but if I had to guess, it would be like, oh my God, I'm having the perfect day right now. There isn't a cloud in the sky. I've never maintained such a speed at such an elevation game before. I could even be in a flow state right now. This could be a personal best for me. I can't wait to get home and share it with my online community on Strava. Oh, I just crashed right into this fella. I, oh, I took all the happiness off his face and I, I could feel the goo packets exploding on impact and peanut butter cliff bars flying through the air. Oh, I smashed him. I took all the happiness off his face and I hit him so hard the two bikes got intertwined and my hand went through the crossbar and got locked there, covered in blood, stuck on his lycra-clad testy satchel. His little Lululemon nut bag was in my hand. And I don't know if you've ever got your hand stuck somewhere, but you rock it. That is the technique. You always... Rocket. Oh, now I was arousing all the wrong forms of suspicion. And I, I went for an extra bit of leverage. Huge error of judgment. The, the excitement in his face only multiplied. And I was like, Jesus, now we're more than strangers on a trail. How, how did I get into this? This is going to be a negative online review somewhere. It was real awkward because we ended up just locked in this Mexican standoff, which is ironic. Mexicans smart enough not to be mountain biking in the first place. And I finally yanked me hand out of there and we end up staring at each other and he could have said anything. And there's a moment of silence and he's like, do you not know the rules? I was like, listen, Carol, the rules are not going to save you in this situation. Okay, I shouldn't even have a mountain bike. Billy Ray definitely shouldn't have a firearm. So, yeah, if you can get my hand off your nutsack, we can get out there, use logic and make your country great again. Yeah, that's why I don't do mountain biking anymore. But 
that was a bit of a long way to say, does Americans love the rules? And my mom shattered them the minute she came to, she wasn't even in America an hour and a half and they got to the hospital, or she got to the hospital and was like, visiting hours are over. <laughs> Fact they are, my son is in there. <laughs> Straight in, no regard for visiting hours whatsoever. Um, we ended up all of a sudden in very close proximity because they let me out only if she'd look after me and we're sitting in my house and we haven't really lived around each other in a diff place different from my home in Ireland for years. Never been around that close. And, and out of nowhere, when she finally got comfortable after a few days, she was like, David, do you have any of those cannabis cookies? <laughs> I was like, I do. I have loads of them, actually. And I, I fed her two, which was twice the recommended dosage and a grave error of judgment for getting your mother stoned for her first edible experience at 74 years old. And I, I know the problem was this was before COVID, so I wasn't a weed professional yet. Because to be honest, I don't like drugs. I've never liked drugs, but you, I love chocolate. And you Americans keep putting drugs in chocolate. Yeah, and then when you eat the drug chocolate, the regular chocolate tastes way better. Before you know it, you're just in this chocolate consumption cycle. You're literally like a stoned hamster lying at the bottom of a wheel, watching the world go by until one day you wake up covered in chunky monkey ice cream in the middle of a racial hate storm on TikTok and you're like, how did I get here? Anyway, I got me mam stoned overhead. Now, if you know anything about Irish people, we take secrets to the grave, but that's not the case on twice the recommended dosage. Oh, did she turn into a chatty caddy all of a sudden? <laughs> she's like, David, out of nowhere, what do you think of gay marriage? I said, what? And she's like, nothing new to me, you know. I was the first lesbian in Ireland to get married in 1970. <laughs> yeah, I was like, does dad happen to know about this? Says it was his feckin' fault. I said, please, continue. She's like, well, your dad couldn't find his feckin' birth certificate on the morning of the wedding. Now, luckily, we had his dead sister, Patricia's. I said, just hold on a second there. Uh, that's big news. I never knew about that. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Your dad had a dead sister. She died when she was two. Not central here to the story. <laughs> yeah, like that's pounding, sounding pretty central to me, ma'am, but okay. She's like, well, we couldn't find Patrick's birth certificate, but we had his sister, Patricia's, and I didn't want to cancel that wedding. And the whole town knew the priest didn't have the best eyesight. So technically and legally, I'm married to your dad's dead sister. That's a lot to unpack, isn't it? <laughs> and she just kind of moved on lovely from that as if it wasn't a thing. Now she dropped one other crazy bit of information, I'll tell you in a sec, but the next morning she woke up and she had a new lease of life and she wanted to do walking for no reason. And that's a bit representative of your elderly American people. Because you're out there with your snowshoes and your hiking poles just walking up stuff for no apparent reason. Right? Irish people, not like that. If you take an elderly Irish person and you put them somewhere, that's where they're going to be. <laughs> they live there now. But not her. The weed cookies gave her a bit of new lease of life and we're in San Francisco and she's like, David, I think I'll go for a walk to the Golden Gate Bridge. I was like, well, geez, that's kind of far. I suppose it's downhill. Go on, feck it, why not? Give it a go. <laughs> she did not come back for eight hours. And when she finally kicked in the door, came in, and I was lying on the couch with my leg elevated, trying to get better with it, and she was like a giggling teenager. She said, oh, David, look at these. Lululemon pants. <laughs> yeah. She kind of kicked out the hip and was like, all the girls are wearing them. Does it make my ass look good? 
It's like you haven't even got an ass anymore. That thing's like a bag of porridge back there. <laughs> she was having a great old time. And a couple of days in, when I start getting better, she's like, David, I might give you a bit of space. I'll go visit your uncle up in Seattle. You know, the big fellow who hugged the president. Yeah, she goes up there, called me a day later. She's like, David, you're not going to believe where I am. I'm on a wakeboarding boat. I said, there is no way you're wakeboard. She's like, oh, God, no, I'm not wakeboard. No, I have another thing. Rory, what's it called? I have a bong, David. <laughs> oh, I am stoned out of my head. And your auntie's here with me. I'm getting horse stoned. Oh, Jesus, my auntie used to be a nun. She married a priest. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> my mom started corrupting the whole family. And after she nursed me back to health, she went away back to Ireland. And I'll never forget the message she sent me. It was lovely. It said, David, I know we're mother and son, but now it feels like we're friends. Aww. Yeah, and I remember reading it going, she's just, this is a blue message. This is, this is an eye message. Did you get an iPhone? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, yeah, goes well with me Lulu lemon pants. <laughs> Smiley face and everything. But she went back home and I, she was corrupting away the family and my, God love him, my uncle got Parkinson's disease and none of the traditional medication was working. And my mother being the newfound West Coast hippie, was like, well, have we tried any alternatives here? Maybe a bit of CBD oil or something? So. I don't know what they were doing to him, but at one moment, the little old ladies were over for tea and they were in that corner and my uncle was in his chair because that's where they left him. <laughs> and he stood up at one moment and they were like, well, where's he off to? And he was shaking a bit and they're like, oh, he's going to fall. And he started falling. My auntie tried to get to him in time, but she didn't make it. He started falling on top of my auntie. My mother kicked into action. Obviously, the nurse in her jumped up, didn't make it in time. My uncle fell on my auntie and the two of them fell on my mother and broke her leg. Yeah, and my uncle was just lying there smiling ear to ear. No idea what was going on. And the little old ladies were mortified because he was pretty much dead weight. They couldn't move him. So they, they had to go in and get the next door neighbor to help. And he was famously a bit of a smart ass with a good sense of humor on him. So he came in and he's like, well, Jesus, if this fella's going out, he's going out with a bang. <laughs> Look at him, ex-priest lying on top of two sisters, huh? <laughs> They'll be talking about this one in the town. My mom was so mortified by this whole scenario that she lied to me and she said she broke her leg when she fell off the back step of the house getting some firewood. And I only know the real story because Dave Ryan from San Francisco, his cousin lived next door. That was the guy. We are always connected. Yeah, we really are. But uh, there was one... The the part, the part I enjoyed the most about this is there was a bit of a tangent to the story that my mother added before she went off on her wander to Golden Gate Bridge the night before. And as immigrants in America or anywhere in the world, we usually have one thing in common. Someone in our families was illegal at some stage. They might not be talking about it. They might be here now, keeping it on the quiet. Just with my family, I didn't know it was my mother. Yeah, until I get her slightly stoned. So it turned out when I was a kid, she used to work as a nurse in New York and come over and back and send the family money. And she'd disappear for a few months and come back again. And I just thought she missed her kids, which I'm sure she did, but it was more actually she was coming home because she was being thrown out in various manners or sneaking back in again on a different visa or not overstaying something. Now, and you know, tonight I told you Irish people were sneaky buggers. Uh, I don't know if you know, we have Irish names. So my name in English, David Nihil, in Gaelic Irish, Dahi O'Nihil. And to your immigration system, that's a whole new person. 
we've been using that one for a few years and my mother definitely was and then she'd used up all these kind of little tricks and she's there telling me about it she's like david i was kind of out of options and i was at a point where geez i just needed another passport and i'd used everything i knew and sure i was thinking geez at that day and age to get a passport at that time you only really needed an extra birth certificate yeah i had an extra one of those lying around didn't i back from the grave Yeah, this is a lot to unpack, and some of you will figure it out at different moments, and that's okay. That's what happened to me, because she just went on to the next part, and it turned out she was working in New York at one moment in time as a nurse, nursing back to health, a particular lady of interest who'd fallen and broken her hip. That lady was Donald Trump's mother. Yeah, my mother as an illegal immigrant. was nursing back to health the mother of a guy competing on an anti-illegal immigration mandate while traveling on the passport of a dead two-year-old. <laughs> who she was also in an involuntary lesbian relationship with. If that isn't the most Irish, American, potentially Latino, sneaky, maybe woke, potentially gay story you've ever heard as brought to you by your US medical system, I don't know what is. Thank you very, 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 very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. You might be asking yourself, these stories sound a bit bonkers. Was this fellow just taking all of the weed himself and making them up? And especially in the case of my mother's one, it sounds so outlandish. You'd be like, is that true? And I'll say, for legal reasons, allegedly, it's true. <laughs> and also, she warned me, you better not tell anyone about this feckin' story, David. She was pretty clear on that. So, allegedly, it happened. I don't know. You, you make up your own mind. But uh, just so I'm off the hook. But I would love to show you one or two little characters before we get out of here because I'm thinking it's always nice to visualize something if you're like oh well, I wonder did that actually happen uh, have a look and see if you recognize this fella or who he might be <laughs> that's Doug the psychopath and he looks all cute doesn't he and that, that is the definition of catfishing when he got me his little claws are already sticking out ready to go and the reason I want to share with you that is we live in a society where we've never processed so much information at a speed we're not really capable of processing. So sometimes we miss things. And in my case, that multiplies when you add being a moron and dyslexic. Because <laughs> I had all the information I needed right here. This is the message my friend sent me about his lovely cat. Just to give you a heads up, though, he's still a kitten and spent at least a couple of months on the street before we found him. He's just been fixed, which seems to have calmed him down, but he does sometimes play with people by biting their wrists and ankles or pouncing from the darkness. It's never too violent and it's never angry and he's mostly a sweetheart, but just wanted to let you know that before you agreed to spend time in the house with him. 
Yeah, and like an idiot, I wrote back, ah, no worries, much appreciated. <laughs> I had all the information I needed. Uh, this really did happen, me working with the, on the Irish president's mission, and uh, that is the only time you'll ever see me in a suit. And uh, that is Mary McAleese, one of the 21 years of female presidents we've had while you're still thinking about it. Uh, might be time. Now, obviously, I, I've called America home for a long time, and I, and I love living here, so I don't want to be too sarcastic. You have made great progress recently. You got a black little mermaid. And that was huge for you as a country. I mean, very divisive initially, but you pulled together and you, you worked through it. And meanwhile, while you were doing that, we found a Nigerian lady and we made her mayor of the town of Longford in Ireland and she never had to identify as a fish or anything. Yeah, just straight to a senior leadership position. But you keep telling us about being diverse and maybe we'll catch up one of the days. And, and that sounds a little bit stabby, but feck it, I've lived here long enough, and you said if you see something, say something, so. <laughs> but my boss hated me so much over this uncle grabbing the president incident that here already they're trying to squeeze me out of this photo. <laughs> they're genuinely trying to block me as much as humanly possible. Now, my boss hated me so much over this incident, she spent every day trying to get me fired. And I'm here talking to you guys doing comedy, so she definitely won. And, but America rubbed off me so much, I start believing, well, I could, I could probably do anything. Ever since the penguin stander upper incident, and, and Americans encouraging you to do things, they're like, you can do anything. And I said, like, I might write a book. I have no idea what about, but I might write one. I'm a dyslexic idiot. I don't think I ever passed any form of spelling test in my life. I've never nailed a captcha. I can't even get on the Wi-Fi in most places. And Americans are, don't let that stop you. You can do it. Just one word every day. Do the morning pages. This could be a great journey for you. You do it. You go on it. You live your you whatever motivational speech. And... I started believing it. And I was like, you know what, if I get to write a book, I'm so annoyed by this boss thing trying to fire me when it, I really shouldn't have been, that I'm gonna put in a chapter on management relations. If I ever write this book, even if it's a picture book, it's going in there, I don't care. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, Americans rubbed off of me, I went for it, I took the advice, I wrote a book, it got published in a couple of languages, and here is that section on management relations. <laughs> My old boss, Robert Diane, I've spelt her name backwards to protect her identity. Genuinely, she had an intern with a government credit card go to a physical location with a physical photo and have them remove me from it. The 10% of me that's actually visible and then hung it back on her wall proudly. And nobody ever knew that story until now. So, you know, some stories you want to keep going. Um, this one true also. So what is a racist comedian telling jokes about cotton picking is actually a person trying to make a very supportive statement about that Irish people were generally being well behaved since 1845. In the words of Frederick Douglass, we'd be knocking it out of the park. Now that got a bit misinterpreted, interestingly, because there was no audio on the video that was posted. So everybody commenting on that and sharing it was trying me judge, jury and executioner and not a single person stopped to go, well, what did that idiot say? 
So if you were one of the people that stopped me squirting ice cream out of every available orifice in a moment of need, thank you very much. It was a moment of need. Uh, it's the only reason I'm still doing comedy, so thank you. Uh, on to more positive things. Who do we think this is? Oh, that is my mother. That is said wakeboarding boat. That is my cousin drinking Jack Daniels whiskey while wakeboarding. That's not how Red Bull imagined it to be done. And that's my uncle that hugged the president and in my mother's hand is suspicious. That is a gateway pipe to what became a bong later in the day. And she took upon corrupting my auntie who used to be a nun. And because she used to be a nun in Ireland is such a small world as we learned tonight, I've had to take precautions. You think she'll be okay with that? I don't know. And you might say, did your mother really break her leg? That story sounded too crazy to be true. The crazy ones, the Irish ones, they're always true. Look at her going there. Yeah, that was quite a break. And if you want to see the evidence, she spent too much time on the west coast of America, surrounded by avocados. She ignored medical insurance and took to the magical healing properties of avocados, which is roughly the same price as medical insurance. Anyway, very unusual scenario. She recovered and she's all good these days, so it had a happy ending. This one I love, that's the half Indian gay leader of Ireland kicking into action to say, well done Morgan, we love your dancing. Basically shutting everybody up with all the negativity with something that was clearly positive and a connection of two cultures that are really intertwined going years back. And rather than giving out, we praised her, brought her over to meet the president of Ireland and gave her an award for contribution to Irish culture. And that is how you appreciate culture, which is a much better thing. asking yourself, well, Jesus, this fellow's been talking a lot about Ireland tonight all of a sudden. And I have been, not, not just because it's where I'm from or because I'm proud of it, which I am, but I think we're a great example of a country that was taught to be backwards that suddenly went really, really forwards. We were meant to be very white and now we're very diverse and multicultural. And we've done that pretty much seamlessly compared to a lot of the world. And at the end of the day, if I'm going to spend my time doing comedy, I'd rather talk about things that unite us rather than divide us. So at the end of the day, we can just be a bit nicer to each other because realistically, well, we're all a bit Irish, aren't we? And <laughs> at least a little bit. And if you think you're not, check your 23 and me results. Uh, speaking of interesting things, who do you think this is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 83 years young and still going strong. Thank you very much. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Thank you very much. Uh, la last quick question for you. Do you guys know where the exits are? Can they can be a little bit sneaky?
Ain't never been with a chick this bad I ain't worried about them other girls that you had If I catch him looking at my baby, I'ma laugh He gon' keep it real, I ain't worried about that Ain't never Next Passport Hey, my Irish brother You said you're not gonna make jokes about America Well, they said if you see something, say something why you always tripping for no reason? Told him cause you put it on me better when you're mad Hit around my neck, hit it hard from the back yeah. I'ma cook a meal for him and play the game with him When somebody asks you, I'm with the same news Keep him knocked out like a painkiller And if a nigga bag me, you know he a winner Ain't never been with a chick this bad I ain't worried about the mother girls that you had If I catch you looking at my baby, I'ma laugh You gon' keep it real, I ain't worried about that if you love what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family and let's spread the laughter. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on today's guests and special offers just for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back soon with even more laughs. Join the fucking funny community today. <laughs>